The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. bleed green are you an ultimate eagles football fan well you're in the right place well you're in the right place this is birds 365 hosted by the new mac and mac jody mcdonald and john mcmullen who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good morning, Eagles fans. How are you? You got an edition of Birds 365 coming your way, an undefeated edition of Birds 365 coming your way after the Birds get to 5-0 and with their win yesterday against the Rams. We'll analyze it, pick it apart, give it its props over the next two hours here on Birds. Uh, I got Bill Colorullo by my side today. Johnny Mack is winging his way back from the left coast after watching the Eagles not only win, but basically take over the house in L.A. with as many Eagle fans as were there yesterday. Bill Colorulo, sometimes the final score isn't always indicative of the way a game is played. And yesterday, the Eagles uh, win by nine points. Why do I feel it was a much more dominating effort by Philadelphia yesterday? Because it really was, Jody. I mean, you look at the yardage, the time of possession. The Eagles dominated the entire game. The one negative, and I don't want to start the day negative, but it's their red zone offense. And I think if their red zone offense was better, the score would have indicated even more of a dominant performance. But they really dominated that game, especially in the second half. My hat's off to Sean Desai. I think that was his best performance as the defensive coordinator of this Eagles team, completely shutting down that Rams offense in the second half. Pretty impressive. They did. It's just uh, because, being honest again, 
the Rams moved the ball in the first half. The The passing game was very efficient. Cooper Cup back in. And the Eagles had to know he was coming there. Was, uh, he was practicing all week. So, you know, he was returning from the injured list. And they didn't really have an answer for him early in the game. A couple of different guys. The Rams did a good job of moving Cup around into different spots. So it wasn't the same guy covering him. And basically, he took turns beating different Eagle backs on slants, getting open, making catches, getting some yards after catch. I'll be honest, first quarter and a half of that game, I was a little bit nervous, really until late Eagles had that unbelievable short drive just before the half half to recapture the lead, aided by a couple of penalties, uh, didn't hurt. Uh, but that was the absolute turning point of the game because they came out in the second half and it was just a completely different Eagles defense you're giving the defense quite a, a lot of credit for that, huh? Absolutely. Watching that first half, I was furious with their third down efficiency on defense. They let the Rams convert five of seven on third down in that first half for 71%. They came out in the second half. The Rams went one of seven for only 14%. That was the changing yep. of the defense. I mean, getting off the field on third down was huge. And you mentioned that drive at the end of the first half. I know they had three timeouts, but there's some coaches who would play it conservatively there, go into halftime, love the aggressiveness by Nick Sirianni, and that was, that changes the entire momentum. Good teams find a way to put up points before the end of the half, and the Eagles have been really good at that over the last couple of years, and that was a huge, huge point in that game. A lot of things Eagles did right. We're here to give a lot of props today, but at the top of the list for me, has to be the quarterback, um, Jalen Hurts, who got off to a bit of a slow start this year. I don't think there's any question that he wasn't quite on the level of the MVP player that he was last year. Oh, by the way, the Eagles were winning the games, even though Jalen looked. I used this word last week, uh, Bill. I don't know if I use it when you were on, but I sure did when, when John and I were together, that when Jalen Hurts was running the ball, he looked a little tentative. And got a couple calls, a couple people. Oh, he looked slow. He didn't look slow to me. He looked tentative. He looked like he didn't want to put his body at risk. And his coaching staff took his back and said, yeah, we, we need Jalen Hurts. We can't afford to lose Jalen Hurts. We have no problem with Jalen Hurts when he goes into his slides. And I get all of that. And they gave him a $250 million contract. So you have to protect your investment. But he just looked a little tentative. Even with his downfield throws, looked a little more tentative than they did last year in his almost MVP season. There was no tentativeness yesterday. He was throwing the ball all over the lot, throwing it down the field. When he took off and ran, he was running through guys, not, not going to the ground, not even trying to get out of bounds. He was running through guys. This was absolutely the Jalen Hurts we saw all last year that almost took down an MVP. No doubt about it. And you're right. In the first four weeks of the season, it looked like when he would run, he was looking, where's the hit coming from? But yesterday, he was so aggressive. I think he was listening to you, Jody, because he was very aggressive yesterday. He had that big run. I think it was a third and nine where he made a great run, took the physical contact, and kept going. It makes you nervous when he does that, but he's just so good at it. And I think he goes to show that when you need him, to run the football, he still has that ability to run the football. But throwing the ball yesterday, I don't understand, Jody, how A.J. Brown, he calls himself always open. He really is always open. I don't understand how he gets so open. We were saying it in the green room watching the game with Seth Joyner because Seth's like, 
He's not that fast, A.J. Brown. He's not one of your speedsters, but yet these corners play so far off the ball, he's able to get open almost every single play. He's on pace. I was looking at this yesterday. i got to find the numbers. But he's on pace to have, I think, 1,800 yards this year. He set the record last year with 1,400. He's on pace for 1,800 yards through five games. It's really incredible what he's doing, too. Yeah, last three weeks, 115 yards, 130 yards, 175 yards. Yeah, I'd say he's on pace for a big <laughs> season, potentially 200 yards. I don't know how to keep this up. But uh, A.J. Brown has been looking very much. Wasn't A.J. Brown, like, kind of upset on the sidelines a few weeks back when he wasn't getting the ball? I guess everything's okay. They've been able to work that out. That that was probably overhyped a little bit. Uh, but I will take one little knock at our head coach, uh, Nick Sirianni, because after the game, uh, asked about Jalen's running and his making plays with his legs. Quote, unquote, what Sirianni says, what do you all say? He couldn't do it anymore. And he was referring to members of the media suggesting that Jalen Hurts can't run the ball anymore. I'll just speak for myself and maybe for some of the other media members around here. Here's what we said. Why isn't he running it like he did before? And Nick Sirianni and offense quarter Brian Johnson's response was, well, we don't want Jalen Hurts getting hurt. We don't want to. They, they took Jalen's back, which they have to do. I get that. Even if it was Jalen deciding to slide more, we don't know. They only know the conversations they had as to why he was a little bit more tentative running the football. But he tried to lay it off on the media. Would y'all say he can't do it anymore? No, you were the one who said he shouldn't do it anymore. And then he goes out and does it and runs like a madman yesterday. And Nick Sirianni wants to take credit for it. Yeah, a little weak on his part, trying to put it on the media as to po pointing out that Jalen Hurts is absolutely accurate. Wasn't the same attack weapon that he was as a running quarterback for the first four games of the season. It, it, that's just facts, Jack. And the explanation that the coach gave was also understandable. Maybe one that people didn't want to hear, but they, they were asking him to be a little bit more cautious when he took off and ran. Well, he ran like a madman yesterday, and it helped the Eagles win, so now Sirianni wants to take credit for it. Yeah, I think that was a little weak on the coach's part, but uh, well, kudos to the quarterback for going out and realizing, if I play my entire game, throwing the ball down the field and making plays with my legs, if, like you pointed out, they were a little bit more efficient in the red zone, yesterday would have been a stone-cold blowout of the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, and Sirianni, I'm surprised he even would mention anything like that, but they look for every little competitive advantage they can get talking, you know, trying and to the Philadelphia up. media. That's where he's looking for his competitive I guess, advantages I don't know. now. Yeah, I, I don't even know why he had to go there, but you know, th th he was fired up yesterday. I'll tell you that. You saw him on the sidelines. And one of the things I talked to John McMullen about at halftime yesterday was, are we going to see Quez Watkins in the second half? Because you saw how fired up Sirianni was with that third and short where they were on the wide receiver screen to Quez Watkins. There was a, there was a seam there. Devontae Smith was blocking, and instead of going inside of Smith, Quez tries to bounce it outside, doesn't pick up the first down. And I'm still not understanding why they have Quez Watkins on the field as much as they do. Alameda Zacchaeus steps in the last two games, plays really well, makes the most of his opportunities, and then they give Quez Watkins 52 snaps yesterday, and they only give Alameda Zacchaeus nine. And what did Quez Watkins do yesterday? Nothing. I don't understand why you're not giving OZ 
his opportunities when he made the most of them with Quez on the sidelines? Well, I'll give you the John McMullen answer because Johnny and I talked about this last week. I mentioned the fact that Puka Nakua would look good in an Eagles uniform and they'd had a chance to draft him. Instead, they took Kaylee Ringo, who, oh, by the way, can't get on the field. Yesterday, uh, a guy who's been an Eagle for like 20 minutes, Bradley Roby, played a ton of sla- snaps. Uh, Goodrich, who was basically benched last week, came back into mix to play in the slot. Uh, and Kaylee Ringo couldn't get on the field for it. And I, I'm not saying the guy will never be a player. All I'm saying is five games into his NFL career, he's not a player yet. And uh, John defended the fact that the Eagles didn't necessarily need Puka Nakua because Quez Watkins fills the role that they want him to fill. And the way John describes it is that, yeah, he's the long distance threat. He's the stretch the field guy. He makes Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown that much better than they are because of the threat of Quez Watkins. And my stance has kind of been like yours. Really? Does anybody fear Quez? I know he could. I know he's got uh, on a piece of paper somewhere a really fast forty time from the combine, but then there's the rest of his NFL career, and I think I judge that more than what he ran at the combine uh, years ago. Uh, yeah, I don't get it either. Well, Quez is is living on his reputation as a fast guy uh, before both uh, Devontae Smith and AJ Brown got here. Quez actually used to catch the ball every once in a while. He hasn't done much of it since. I don't get it either. Um, but again, we're, we're we're nitpicking the small issues yeah. the Eagles have. We'll they have are a, five and zero. Oh. We'll have a positive day. But what's bothered me? Last thing on Quez, the first two years where he really played, he averaged over fifteen yards a catch. Then you look at what he did last year; he's only averaging ten point seven yards per catch. So if he's really stretching the field, you wouldn't see his yards per reception dropping as much as they did. And in the playoffs last year, one catch, eight yards. That's not stretching the field. And there was one thing, and again, uh, th- th- this might be micro-analyzing. Uh, they did show it on TV that there was, I forget who was trying to force the ball to AJ or got it or whoever it was. Quez uh, was open. Quez was wide open in the back of the end zone, which, yeah, Jalen should have seen him, should have gotten to that progressional read and should have gotten him the football. But I think it kind of tells you something the quarterback's not looking for him either. Uh, we can say, say they're older. Oh, they're afraid of Quez. Quez stretches field. Quez gives that safety a second thought. That's why AG gets back. Yeah, does he really? The quarterback doesn't even look for him. And they, they've yeah. got a play that's extending and he can check the entire field and he's wide open in the back of the end zone. Quez is an afterthought for Jalen Hurts these days, but uh, well, we digress. On, let's on switch Quez to one. something positive, Jody. Let's talk about Dallas Goddard. What a game he had. Finally, they get him involved in the offense. Big day for him, and they did it right away on that first drive, which I love to see. Goddard got a lot of throws in week two because week one he got one uh target the whole game so i think they made it a mission to come out and get him the ball a lot in week two against minnesota and they did to the grand total of 22 yards and like six receptions and seven targets but everything was short he wasn't getting down the field they advanced his routes this week and got him the ball in motion while he was heading up the field giving him the ability to get run after catch yeah that's the dallas guy that we all talk up as 
right there with Kittle and Andrews as one of the best tight ends in the National Football League. Didn't look like it for the first four weeks of this season. Absolutely looked like it yesterday. I, I agree with you. It was a concerted effort by the offense coordinator, by the quarterback. Uh, but give Dallas got uh, the majority of the uh, credit because he not only made the plays, but he did run with a little reckless abandon after he got his hands on the ball. Yeah, he's so good after the catch when you can get him the ball in open space. They haven't really been able to do it the first four weeks of the season. They were trying a lot of bubble screens to him, but it was nice to see them get him the ball with the opportunity to make plays because you could just see how good he is. And one of the things we were talking about on pregame is how unselfish of a player he is because even though he hasn't been as involved in the passing game as he was in years past, he's so good at run blocking. He's, according to Pro Football Focus, the best graded run blocker in the NFL from the tight end position, and that does so much for your offense. And Jack Stoll's pretty good as well run blocking. So when you can come out in that 12 personnel, which the Eagles like to run, makes it really difficult on defenses because they don't know, are you throwing the ball or are you running the ball? And you essentially have seven offensive linemen on the field with the way those tight ends can block. So the final score yesterday, 23-14, Eagles win by nine. It doesn't wow you. We've done a lot of overanalyzing the Eagles that they haven't hit their full stride. 4-0, yeah, but, and the things that they still need to work on, still need to clean up. Yesterday was their most dominating performance of the year. At least in my eyes, I'm not going to let the final score of 23-14 scare me. Because Oh, my God, only won by nine. They dominated that football game yesterday. And uh, both Bill and I think so. We'll get a third view on that. Joining us next is our usual Monday early contributor. Start the week off right. Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports jumps aboard here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. 
Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Undefeated Monday edition of Birds 365 as the Birds get the... 5-0 after beating the Rams yesterday. Joining us to talk about yesterday's game, where the birds are at. The guy who's trying to serve two masters here, here to talk about the Eagles, but also keep his October red flow going with his Phillies uh, golf shirt on. Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com jumps in with uh, Jody Mack and Bill Calarulo. Um, Jeff, I just finished saying that the final score yesterday wasn't indicative of the dominance the Eagles uh, portrayed over the Rams. And it wasn't necessarily dominant up until that final drive of the first half and taking that lead. That was the best defense that I've seen entire entirety of all last year. The second half of that defense, I said, is the best that I've seen from uh, the Eagles in the last year plus. Agree or disagree? How dominating was it in your eyes? Oh, I agree with both you guys. Uh, you know, I, I heard you guys say that this was a dominant win. This was a convincing win. I believe I heard on here and. You guys are absolutely right. I know the final score doesn't say it, but the Eagles held a team that basically got 300 yards at will every single week to under 300. And really, this is all you need to know. The second half, the Rams did not score a point. And I am not counting the last possession, by the way, where it was garbage time. The Rams did not score a point. They had 50 yards, punt, 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 turnover on downs. The defensive line had their way. The cornerback situation, they put Bradley Roby in the nickel. Bradley Roby, when Matthew Stafford targeted him, was two of four for negative four yards. Negative four yards. That was the difference. Sean Desai made every single adjustment you needed to make. If you guys would have saw my Twitter in the first half, and I don't respond to mentions, but I do read them, I'll say this. Sean Desai should be fired. That's what I saw. Um. Quez Watkins should be benched. I probably agree with that one. but yeah, Not that I, far off on that. Yeah, but the main one was Sean Desai should be fired. Darius Slay and James Bradbury are overpaid. I didn't hear any of that in the second half, and that's because the Eagles did make their adjustments at halftime, and it showed. And let's talk about our rookie, baby rhino, Jalen Carter. Coming into this week, really hadn't played more than 50% of the snaps, but with Fletcher Cox out, he played 70% of the snaps yesterday and just continues to dominate. How impressed are you with Jalen Carter? Uh, I said on my overreactions piece for CBS nationally, Jalen Carter is the defensive rookie of the year. If you look at the numbers, it backs it up. He has 23 pressures. That is the second most amongst defensive tackles. His three and a half sacks are third most amongst defensive tackles. His pressure rate is first amongst defensive tackles. This is the whole league. This isn't just rookies here. Jalen Carter has been – an absolute beast every single week. And 
what I was told yesterday, I think Carter might have told a couple of media members this. During that five-hour flight to L.A., all he did was watch tape of, on Matthew Stafford. The guy's a football player. I, I don't know how he fell the ninth. I don't really care. I don't care how the Bears passed on him twice. But there, people's all feel concerns about him, which apparently aren't really much, you know, uh, you know, just behind the scenes here. It seems like that's the Eagles' benefit, and Eagles got one hell of a player. I'll just say that. And now I'm going to say this, and I don't want to be misquoted after the fact, um, but the best defensive tackle on the field yesterday was the Eagles' defensive tackle, uh, Jalen Carter. That includes a guy by the name of Aaron Donald. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to have the career that Aaron Donald has had. Don't don't quote me as having said that. What I did say was on the field yesterday, Jalen Carter was the best defensive tackle, and that included Aaron Donald. So for one day, he was better than the best defensive tackle the National Football League has seen in a decade, if not two or three, which is saying a whole hell of a lot. Jeff, he is just so quick. The thing that that really grabs your eye is when he's going past the one or two deep, uh, offensive linemen that they're putting in his way, he gets by them in, in, in the blink of an eye. This kid is unbelievably fast and quick, and you can't just teach that to a guy of his size. Either you have it or you don't, and he absolutely has it, does he not? As a guy who prides himself on watching football in the trenches and – I don't look like it, but I used to play defensive line at one point. I've never seen a player get as low as Jalen Carter does since Aaron Donald. And I'm talking prime Aaron Donald here, not 31-year-old Aaron Donald, who still gets pretty low, by the way. But Jalen Carter, like you said, Jody, he's quick. He just – that burst is incredible. And he just gets – he has so much leverage once the ball is snapped. I'm not surprised he doesn't beat offensive linemen every single time. I mean, you have to double-team Jalen Carter now to stop him, which is why Fletcher Cox has had the year he's had. I know he didn't play yesterday, but he's had a good year. Jordan Davis is having a good year. Now Asad Reddick is benefiting from Jalen Carter because you've got to stop him. You can't stop both of them. Can't double-team both. I, I just ha haven't seen a player this impactful this early in his career since Aaron Donald. Which, which is crazy. Gerald McCoy, this early in his career, was dominant like this, too. It's I'm just amazed every time I watch Jalen Carr, and then when I rewatch the games, it's it's just incredible what this guy is able to do so fast. And, you know, I saw it in training camp. I, I said, this guy's going to be good. I was tell, telling John McMullen this at Kratz, Martin, Frank, you know, most of the guys we you, know, you have on here, we, we all said we thought this guy was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to be this good this quick. Yeah, I don't know who could have thought he'd be this good this early in his career because Howie he really Roseman, is. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> he is dominating, and it's just—it's funny you watch those. There's a Chicago Bears video going around where they're celebrating that trade with the Eagles on draft night, and it's well, how could you pass up on this guy? But you mentioned Hassan Reddick, and I know he's been getting quarterback pressures, but it just wasn't passing the eye test. He didn't look like the same guy we saw last season. But you saw that last night. I think he had his first multi-sack game since the mm -hmm. NFC Championship game against Brock Purdy. Did you think that was Hassan Reddick's best game this season? Oh, absolutely. So don't you guys think it's coincidental that Hassan Reddick tells us two weeks ago, oh, I got the club off. He's got three sacks since. It's, it's clear that the cast was affecting 
Hassan Reddick being able to put his hand in the dirt, being able to do whatever he needed to do. And but yeah, Hassan Reddick was the closer yesterday. Um back to back plays, he has a sack. I thought he, he was actually gonna force a fumble on Matthew Stafford on that last one. That that's how hard he hit him. But yeah, Hassan Reddick gets and again, you guys gotta remember he got off to a slow start last year too and really picked it up in the second half. He wasn't the Hassan Reddick we came to know until the second half of the season. We're starting to get that a little earlier now. And I think Hassan Reddick is starting to get favorable matchups, too, on the offensive line. Remember, he played, played some pretty solid right tackles early in the season. And then, then when you're hindered, too, with, with the thumb injury, I think that's all past him now. But yeah, yesterday was the first time since the MC Championship game I saw Hassan Reddick. And we're all singing the praises of Sean Desai here today because of the Eagles' second-half defensive effort and the adjustments that he made. I saw a clip from Brandon Graham specifically noting that they made halftime adjustments and every single one of them worked. So I'm, I'm here to praise, sing the Sean Desai's praises today. And I'll give you one more reason why, and this might not go over with a portion of Eagle Nation. He didn't blitz much yesterday. You know Why? He didn't need the blitz much yesterday. He basically ran a, sorry to say this, Jonathan Gannon-like defense. Just go with the guys up front. If they can get home, which they did, if they get the ball out of Stafford's hand before he wants to throw it, which they did, you don't need to bring in extra guys. So he didn't. When he felt he needed the blitz earlier this year, he did. Yesterday, he felt he didn't need the blitz. It was one specific play. I think he brought... Um, Morrow from outside, which usually doesn't do. When he brings a linebacker, he usually brings him inside. He brought him outside, and it left the whole middle of the field wide open. They didn't have to use the blitz yesterday, Jeff Kerr, and if they don't need to, they shouldn't. Agree or disagree? Oh, I, I agree. They actually got more pressure when they in blitz than they did when they did blitz. I, I think the broadcast even might have showed that at one point yesterday, or NFL Network, or someone showed it. But I want to add this, Jerry Mack, to your job again point. Sean Desai runs pretty much the same defense Jonathan Gannon does. But you know what the key difference is here? He has a quick leash. Mario Goodrich was owned by Cooper Cup in that first drive. Out. Eli Ricks comes in in the slot. Out. Bradley Roby. Okay, you're my last hope, kid. Well, guess what? Bradley Roby was the guy who got the job. Now, Eli Ricks ended up playing well yesterday, but Eli Ricks is not a slot cornerback. I just think it was okay. We gotta get we gotta get somebody in here that isn't Mario Goodrich, and I believe Jonathan Gannon would have kept the same guy in. And said, "Well, he'll get better. He'll get better." Well, no, you you got to do this, and that's the stuff Sean Desai does. That's why I always liked him. It's he's able to change the pieces he needs, but keep the same scheme. And I thought that was the winning move yesterday, putting in Bradley Roby in the slot and. Like, he had nothing to lose at this point. I mean, Bradley Roby's only been on the team five games. And, you know, we were talking to Bradley Roby on Friday. And I, I knew he was going to play, but I didn't think he was going to you know, come in here and do this right away. But when you're in the league for 10 years and you're a veteran corner cornerback, this is the type of stuff you expect. Now, I still think the Eagles are going to add pieces at the deadline. Probably won't be at safety, but Bradley Roby just seems to be that guy that you saw him available. You're like, wait, why is he still available? And turned out he was waiting for an opportunity, kind of like Linval Joseph and Adam Kasu and one open. And we're heaping a lot of praise on Sean Desai, as we should. But let's jump over to that offensive side of the ball and talk about Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator. Let's put the red zone aside for a second because they've still <laughs> struggled there. But 
I think that was Brian Johnson's best game as a play caller. That Rams defense wasn't a bad defense coming in. They were ninth in the league, only giving up 296 yards per game. Eagles put up 454 yards. And what I found most impressive, Jeff, was on third down, the Rams coming in with a number two defense on third down, allowing teams to only convert 27% of the time. The Eagles went 13 of 18 for 72% on third down, which is incredible. How impressed were you with Brian Johnson as a play caller yesterday? That on to your point, Bill. They were 10 of 13 at one point on third down. That's why they kept moving the chains. It's Yeah, I thought it was Brian Johnson's best game as a play caller. And, and again, I'm not counting the red zone in this because this is a five-game thing. But I thought this team couldn't run the ball as efficiently as they wanted to yesterday. But the designs he was using to kind of get the Rams defense off their toes. And the only plays I don't like Brian Johnson calls, they're not even plays that I, I don't know what the play is because Jalen Hurts rolls to his right so quick and there's nothing there. Like Jalen Hurts is trying to look for the so I don't know if that's shots, I don't know if that's hurts. It's something I would have to ask one of them. But overall, I like how he stuck to the running game. 39 passes. 39 runs. That's what ended up happening. And Swift wasn't as effective until they earned the game. Gamewell wasn't as effective until they earned the game. Jalen Hurts was their running game for a lot of that game. But I think Brian Johnson knows his strengths and his weaknesses. That This week it was, okay, we got a matchup advantage with Dallas Goddard. Let's use it early. They did that. Then it was, okay, A.J. Brown just seems to get open against anybody. Let's do that. Now it's, okay, let's stop the run. I mean, it's, it's not, let's stop the run. Let's go to the run. And all of a sudden you saw Jalen Hurts moving out of the pocket, design runs by Jalen Hurts. Then DeAndre Swift was able to be effective in the second half. It was just the way modern football is now. Use the pass to set up the run. And eventually you have a balanced playbook. Now, I know a lot of teams like to do 60-40 now, but Brian Johnson, he's starting to get a feel for play calling. It's they just got to figure out the red zone thing. They uh, put up over 450 yards of offense yesterday. That's pretty damn impressive. Eh, a couple more points because of red zone. I get it. But they, they were a dominant offensive team yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw any of this afterwards, if anybody got any comments from the locker room. Uh, but there was one juncture in the second half where Jason Kelsey went face-to-face with Nick Sirianni on the sidelines. And I'm doing my best to try and read lips, and I couldn't quite figure out what he was saying. And then afterwards, he actually laid hands on Jeff Stoutland, uh, like bumped him. You're not supposed to be touching your car. I know he's Jason Kelsey. I know he's a Hall of Famer. I know he's the most popular guy here in town. But he was getting into it pretty good with his coaching staff yesterday. Have any of you guys seen reports as to why? He was as worked up on the sideline as he was. I don't think I'm going to know the answer to that till Wednesday or Thursday, to be honest with you, whenever Jason is available. And Jason will probably own up to him and say he shouldn't have done that. I, I just think it's the heat of the moment. I think this all stemmed from they had the big third down play and no one just seemed to get ready. And I'm like, where is everybody? And you see Jason Kelsey just flipping out. And I think Jason Kelsey basically called his own number and said, I'm going to the C-gap. I'm blocking that back. You know, you you do what you got to do here, and I, I I think Jason Kelsey was told, hey, you know, we don't we don't do that here, and I think that's what flipped Kelsey off. But you know, I'm curious to hear 
his side of the story. I'm curious to hear it. I don't think Nick was asked about it yesterday. I'm sure he'll be asked about it today. But it just seems – you're right, Jody. It just seems to be blown under the rug because it is Jason Kelsey. But I did make a joke yesterday. The Eagles do lead the NFL in sideline discussions this year, no matter who it is. And word to the Eagles PR staff uh, ahead of time. They did show that. As, as I just stated, I saw it on my TV – face-to-face with the head coach, and actually laid hands on Jeff Stoutland. Make sure both of those coaches know that ahead of time because the last time when they had the A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts discussion, Sirianni tried to go down the road. Of, what are you talking about? Oh, sorry, coach. They had you on TV. Everyone in the world saw it, so don't be trying to, to dodge it. Make sure all your coaches know that that question is coming at some point over the next couple of days. Kelsey was asked about it. There was a video clip circulating on on Instagram. And basically what he said is he always tends to be more emotional and demonstrative with people he really cares about and respects. And what he chalked it up to was they're frustrated in the red zone that they haven't been able to convert in the red zone and that he was just frustrated and he let his emotions get the best of him. But he always seems to be over-emotional with people he cares and respects like Sirianni and, and Stoutland. So he tried to to spin a little bit there. But I understand his frustration in the red zone because as good as the offense was yesterday and as good as we've seen them improve week after week in every other aspect, the red zone continues to struggle. They were number 24th in the league coming into this game, and they were going against a defense who, although they've been playing well, The Rams haven't been good in the red zone. They were the 26th-ranked defense in the NFL, allowing touchdowns 70% of the time, and the Eagles go two of six. Now, that number gets a little bit skewed because they weren't trying to score at the end of the game, but two of six in the red zone is not going to cut it. What do you think they can do differently, Jeff, in the red zone to try to convert touchdowns? I'm glad you asked that, Bill. I know the answer wasn't available yesterday, and it's a player the Eagles necessarily don't like, but... Get Rashad Penny in the damn game when he's healthy. I'm just going to say it right now. That's what he's there for. The Reds. He's not. I mean, the guy's 6'1". You got to change it up. I like Kenny Gainwell. I know that's the guy they trust there. But he's not getting it done in the Red Zone. I love DeAndre Swift. He's not getting it done in the Red Zone. That's not his game. And he has scored a couple Red Zone touchdowns this year. You need a bigger back in there. You need to go to more 12 personnel in there. Maybe this is where... Grant Calcaterra comes into the mix. Run more 12 personnel. They run too much 11 in the red zone. And I know everybody likes to blame Wes Watkins. Wes Watkins, Wes Watkins. He's a popular target to blame. I'm going to lie to scoring those touchdowns here. They just got to get a lot out of this a lot, this 11 personnel and trying to force a Jalen Hurts touchdown pass when they really don't have to. Use your shot, Penny. Get to the two and use the tush push. I know they don't like the players told me they don't like it. It's called the tush push. But use that and score touchdowns every single time. That's what I would do. I'm not an NFL coach, but you got to change some things up in personnel. I think the concepts are working. I think the scheme is working. I just don't think you have the right players in there. They've got an unstoppable play for one or one and a half yards. They're going to come up with an unstoppable one for about four yards out because they are right. That is one area where they haven't been able to be as dominant as they are on the, uh, call it Brundley shop, call it tush push. My personal favorite, cheek sneak. I know it's running third, the uh, most popular category, but I think that one actually is the best. Uh, yeah. Jake, By the way, you- Jody, do we like the brotherly shelf? I- I'm not a fan of that name. 
I like Cheek Sneak. I'm sticking with yeah. Cheek Sneak. Everybody Bill, Bill, what, whatever. what do you think? We all know. I'm a fan of the brotherly shove. I, okay. I like it. Ties in the because it ties in Philly because we're the yeah. best team at it by far. So I like that it ties in a little bit of Philly. Tush push, I, nothing for Philadelphia. I, I think the players like brotherly shove. I just don't think they like tush push because that's what King and everybody else called it. And you know, King wants it banned. Heaven forbid you want to play from the 40s and 50s band, but you allow flea flickers. All right. Um, let me get your take on this. Uh, that uh, I, I got to confess, I did a pretty good 180 on this one. I was not as outspoken as Peter King and the uh, other detractors of the cheek sneak, tush push, brudling shove, whatever you want to call it, um, as others. But I did say it looked like a rugby scrum. And is that what we want in the National Football League, a rugby play? And I said, they used to ban it. Then they decide to put it back. It's like not like they've been doing it for 80. It used to be an illegal play. And then they decide to legalize it again. Now they're contemplating taking it out again. Here's why I'm going to become a massive fan of keeping the cheek sneak in play. I think that it has become more of a anti-eagle thing than an ugly football thing. I think the rest of the National Football League is just ticked off that the Eagles have become so proficient in this. And now other teams have tried and, and can't beat them. We got to figure out. We got to use it too. They can't get it done because they don't have Jalen Hurts. That's why it's that good here in this town. Don't want to take anything away from the offensive line, but it's Hurts' ability to just move the pile with his unbelievable leg strength that I don't think it's a, oh, we've got to do away with it because it's not entertaining football. I think it's we got to do away with it because nobody can stop the Philadelphia Eagles when they get into that position. And if that's the case, BS that they're thinking about taking it out. Uh, don't, don't punish the Eagles because they're that good at something. Exactly. So 20, 21 years ago, the then St. Louis Rams were throwing bombs left and right to Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, and no one else was really doing it at the time. No one wanted it banned. Oh, well, you should stop it. Well, isn't this the same thing? This is the exact same thing. And Jalen Hurts gets luck. You know why this works for the Eagles? One, they practice it. Two, their offensive linemen, Jalen Hurts, get ridiculously low. When I watch the Giants do it, by the way, did you guys know the Giants are number two in actually converting it? Because Daniel Jones doesn't get low enough, but he he's big enough where it can work. The Eagles just practice and perfect it. Other teams can't. The Dolphins, as explosive as their offense is, they can't do that. Uh, Washington can't do it. I think that's why these teams, the 49 I can tell you this. I believe the 49ers are part of this revolution to get rid of the tush push because they know that's one reason they can't stop the I could be dead wrong on this. It's, it's just, it just seems like that's something they would do just based on the third quarterback thing. And, you know, they can't, there are a lot of teams that are good that just can't stop this thing. And it's ridiculous. It's, well, we can't stop it on the field. Maybe we can get banned off the field. Well, if you're going to do that. Cooper Cup, the Eagles couldn't stop a Cooper Cup slant yesterday, the first drive or two. I guess we should ban the slant because a team can't stop it. I agree with you. Um, and, oh, by the way, for Eagle fans that are worried, there's no chance they're going to make a decision on this during the season. It's here to stay. It's here for the entire 2023 season. They may evaluate it during the off season competition committee, everything else. 
And at some point, they may reverse their decision and decide to take it out. But it is not going to be stopped. So 49ers, Cowboys, uh, anyone else who's got fear of the Philadelphia Eagles, they can complain and, and put rhetoric out there all they want. It's not going to change during the season. It's here to stay. But since you went to the 49ers, how about that beatdown of the Cowboys? 42 they're, they're to good. 10. I, I pat myself on the back here. I didn't think it was going to be close. I thought the 49ers would win handily. Again, not even I thought it was going to be 42 to 10. What happened to the Cowboys last night? That's just a beat down a borderline epic proportion, Jeff Kerr. I think it just shows you how good the 49ers are. And that was the 49ers at their best on Sunday night. Uh, Kyle Shanahan dialed every single play to perfection against a defense that's over-aggressive. And I know the Cowboys are going to use this excuse all year. They don't have Trayvon Diggs. Well, Trayvon Diggs could have been on the field. I don't think it would have made much of a difference. You know what I saw in the Cowboys last night? A team that quit on their head coach and quit on their defensive coordinator. Ooh. They just looked beaten silly. And you can't dink and dunk your way when you're down – 14 to 21 points. I saw their offense early in the year. They're like, oh, Dak's not turning the football over. You know why he's not turning the football over? Because Mike McCarthy ain't having him throw the ball more than 10 air yards. That, that's why he wants to turn the football over. And he tried he, to throw one deep last night. It was a pop-up to center field. Yeah. The, the D-back was the only one in the area who had a chance to make the catch. Uh, yeah, Dak is not throwing it well down the field. No, he hasn't been a good deep ball quarterback in about two or three years now. There was a time where Dak – and. Ironically, it was when Amari Cooper was here that he was pretty proficient in doing that. But this isn't the same Cowboys team. And they had all five of their offensive linemen healthy last night. They miss Ezekiel Elliott a lot more than they think. And Ezekiel Elliott, I, and I've told you this, Jerry, I thought he was the worst running back in football last year. And they miss him. They, they, they do. It's They paid him way too much money, and they had to get rid of him. And Tony Pollard, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's not as explosive anymore. I, I really do think. Their biggest mistake was firing Kellen Moore this offseason, given the play-calling reins to Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is the worst thing that could ever happen to Dak Prescott in a year where Dak needed to show up. The defense is – it is what it is. Micah, Pars Micah Parsons is very over-aggressive. They do miss Trayvon Diggs. They still have players on there, but it, I wrote it last night in my overreactions piece. They are paper tigers. They beat Mac Jones, J Josh Dobbs they lost to, Zach Wilson, six days after Aaron Rodgers got hurt, there's someone else in there that's really bad that they played. Oh, Daniel Jones. How did I forget that? Man. Now they play an actual quarterback in Brock Purdy, and you saw what happened. They gave up more points last night than they did their first four games of the season. Yeah, and good news for the Philadelphia Eagles with regard to the NFC East. Eagles haven't really played their best football until maybe this week, and there's still room for improvement. And they got a two-game lead already, five games in. But if we're fighting for that number one seed, it's probably going to come down to that matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. I keep waiting, and I'm done waiting for Brock Purdy to come down to earth. He's a good quarterback. He is a good he's not quarterback. Coming down. <laughs> he's not coming down, Bill. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's He's good. I mean, I think – and look, if people are going to use this energy around Jalen Hurts and the town around him, you got to use that with Brock Purdy too. But I always came to the conclusion, look, these guys are just good. And I, I agree with you 100%, Bill. It's Brock Purdy's a guy to me. He just doesn't make a mistake. And when he does make a mistake, which is very rare, it's only like an overthrow. It's something that is easily correctable. By the way, I Jody was the first guy on the Brock Purdy 
bandwagon. I do agree with saying I, I like Brock in college. So I think he'd be this. But I remember watching him in the preseason. I'm like, maybe this guy could start at some point down the line. I think it was going to be for the 49ers. But I'll tell you what. its He's the real deal, Bill. He, he is. I know one guy who got Brock Purdy at 50 to 1 for the MVP before the season started. Put a wager in in late July when it still wasn't sure. When I found out he was already throwing the football, I said, All right, this is it. I'm in for him for the MVP. Uh, 50 to 1. I checked this morning. There's one site that actually has him as co favorite with Mahomes at 5 to 1 now, where Jalen Worth hurts, as a matter of fact, is six. Jalen and Brock Purdy both moved up significantly yesterday with their big efforts. Yeah, I, I've been the biggest party fan this side of the Mississippi. And it'll it's going to come down to the Eagles and the 49ers are going to play twice this year. They're going to play in December, and they're going to play again in late January. Uh, hopefully both games in Philadelphia for Philadelphia's sake. My um, biggest concern with San Francisco is right now, does anybody think they're overusing Christian McCaffrey? I tweeted about that, Jeff, the other day. Now, I'm happy as a fantasy football player because he's on my team. But I tweeted about that is, look, there's you don't want to play scared, but there's also playing stupid. And they are giving him way too many touches this early in the season for a 17-game season with hopes of going to a Super Bowl. So I agree with you. I think I think they got to be careful with McCaffrey. Yeah, and they don't have much depth either. It's uh, I, They need Eli Mitchell back. That, that, that's clear as day. But, yeah, it's – and I get it, Work with what you got. But you, you need this guy in December and January. You don't need him – in September and October, you, you you did what you needed to do now. You're 5-0, you controlled the division. Now it's kind of pull the reins back a bit. And question real quick about McCaffrey, if you were watching the game last night. I thought there's spotters on the field to pull these guys off after a head hit. Did you see that hit he took on yeah. that catch? And then the next play, Shanahan gives him the ball right away, doesn't even come off the field. I would have thought they would have at least taken a look at him after that hit. You know what, Bill? It just seems like that's a team-by-team basis. I feel like if that was another team, he wouldn't have seen the ball. But it just seems like and look, they don't need Christian McCaffrey to win football games. They were winning football games before Christian McCaffrey. They're, they just seem to be a, a nearly unstoppable force when McCaffrey is in there. But I agree. Do they just not trust their backup running backs enough to where they can actually move the chains? Because they still got Ayuk. They still got Samuel. I, I will say, as much as... They are overusing McCaffrey. I really do think they're preserving Debu Samuel by doing that. Um, yeah, I disagree with both you guys. I think that McCaffrey is not being overused. He's one of the best players in the National Football League. When you have that type of player, I would use him. That would just be my philosophy as the head coach. If I've got one of the most talented guys in the league, I'm not putting him in mothballs. And oh, by the way, the kid Jordan Mason, I know it's garbage time. The game had already been decided. He played okay last night. You said the Cowboys defense kind of quit, and I think there might be something to that, Jeff. But Jordan Mason looked okay. And you're right, Mitchell's out. They're, they're missing their number one backup. So uh, if if McCaffrey gets hurt next week, uh, we'll get you back on, Jeff. You can go, Jody, I told you so. They're overusing McCaffrey. I don't think they've overused him at all. I think they've used him basically perfectly, and all the cylinders are clicking for the 49ers. And their offense. All right, uh, Jeff, since uh, we won't talk to you again until next Monday, Eagles-Jets. Now, before the season started, I said the Eagles were going to start 5-0, and which they have. And I was a little nervous about this game because I thought the Jets were going to be good. I thought this was going to be a Super Bowl preview game, as a matter of fact, and I will be there in my seats for the game next week. 
The Jets won yesterday. Found a way to a little extra motivation because Sean Payton took the verbal shots he took at Nathaniel Hackett. And the Jets went out and won one for the Gipper, a.k.a. Coach Hackett. What are the Jets going to bring to the Eagles next week? Uh, they'll bring a good defense. Um, will Sloss Gardner play? I guess that's going to be the question, right? Because DJ Reed, I think he was out yesterday, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. So, so yeah, you're down both your cornerbacks. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I think the Jets got a nice win yesterday. I think Zach Wilson's playing significantly better the last two weeks. And I'm kind of glad the Jets stuck by him as bad as he played. But really, he's their best option. It's I'll tell you what, the, the guy I'm worried about is Brees Hall. Uh, Brees Hall looks back, like back, back uh, from – from that um, injury he took in Denver last year, of all places. And he was tearing up the Broncos before that, too, uh, before he got hurt. Uh, but Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, it's they're the two to me. It's yeah, I, 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 I think the Eagles win. I mean, they should win, but those are two guys you got to stop. It's But the Jets' defense isn't the Jets' defense without Sauce Gardner and D.J. Reed. Uh, I know they still have Quentin Williams. Uh, Quincy Williams had a good game yesterday, by the way, his brother. But overall, they they need their guys back to have a chance. And I, I'm glad they won yesterday because I, I'm sure a lot of players, I'm sure a lot of coaches took that for I know Robert Sala did about the Sean Payton comments on Daniel Hackett. It's, what's that saying about Sean Payton right now? Because Denver's worse with him than they were with the Daniel Hackett. Daniel Hackett, how sad is that? It's great. It's crazy how this league works. And the only thing Sean Payton has done right this season is fix Russell Wilson. The rest of the team sucks. They are pretty bad. Uh, and yeah, it probably behooves the Eagles that the Jets got to win ahead of time. They might have been a little bit hungrier. Not that uh, they're back into the race just because they only won one game, beat a bad team. But uh, I think the, the, the win in Denver actually helps the Eagles' chances. But they don't really need that much help because they're 13 and 0 against the Jets Never in the history time. of the two yeah. franchises. And the Jets used to beat them all the time in preseason. What the hell? No, I'm okay. right. <laughs> it's a it's week four preseason game, oh, Jody. It was the worst. <laughs> I used to work for the Eagles back then, and we would be on the sidelines for those fourth preseason games, and it was, oh, man, just Get run the clock. Over. Give us a Get running it over clock. and done with. <laughs> Jill, I got a funny story for you. So the only time I ever had really good seats for an Eagles game, I sat at the 50, the first row, the fourth preseason game against the Jets. I want to say it was like 2007. And I'm like, this is the worst football game I've <laughs> ever seen. And keep in mind, I just graduated high school. You know, I'm, you know, I, I loved watching high school football. I was getting into college football. At Penn State. Well, I always was into it, but you know, I, I'm just coming off watching Penn State Akron and then I'm going to this. I'm like, I, I, I was convinced Penn State or Akron could have beaten both those teams. Those guys were professional football players. Let me ask you, Jeff, real quick, any concern, and I think with this Eagles culture and the leadership they have that this shouldn't be a concern, but any concern that this is the quote-unquote trap game? You're 5-0, and you're coming into a game against the Jets that everyone's saying you should dominate, you should win, and you're looking ahead at the Miami Dolphins the following week, the greatest show on grass. Any chance of a quote-unquote trap game this week? It could be. I don't think it is. Personally, I know I know we love to use the term trap game. I actually think the Dolphins could be the trap game before Same the here. Cowboys. Yeah, I think that's the trap game because the Dolphins, they still have to prove they can do this against good defenses. Now, 
the Bills have a good defense, and they held them to 20, even though the Dolphins got a lot of yards. I think the Dolphins are going to want to do this to a good defense like the Eagles and put up big numbers because they, they got to prove to themselves, hey, we're just as good as them. We're just as good as the 49ers. That's a big game for the Dolphins. It's the Kelly Green game. Everybody's going to be excited for it. I just don't hope it comes back to the Eagles' history in Kelly Green, which <laughs> isn't too good uh, after 1960. All right. Uh, I, I agree with you, Jeff. That, And for me, it's more because it's a home game. I think of trap games as home games because you believe that the crowd's going to carry you. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. There should be another Eagle takeover next week in New York. Jet fans already given up their tickets. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, yeah, I think the trap game, if you can just use that term trap, is better chance to be next week against the Dolphins in this upcoming week with the Jets. Jeff Kerr, we always love it when you join us. Thank you very much for doing so. Enjoy the Phillies this afternoon. Uh, hopefully they get up 2 nothing, and uh, we'll get you back here next week talking about another Eagle victory. Thanks, bud. Yeah. I don't know John told you, Jody, but I lost my voice last week because of the Phillies. Really? I was at game – so I was at game three, and I go sit next to Mc, – or game two, sorry, of the wild card series. I go sit next to McMullen Friday because you got cold. I said, no, I lost my voice from the Phillies. I could barely talk. Like it's Really? AJ Brown was actually laughing uh, off the record. You know, because of, I shouldn't say off the record, but, you know, he had to come, like, close when I asked him a question because he could barely hear me. I felt bad. I was there at game two when they closed out the Marlins as well. Yeah. They got up by 7-1. I didn't feel the need to scream. Collapsing will do just fine. They had already put it away. Uh, J.K., always a pleasure. Thanks for jumping in, bud. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, Joe. Jeff Thanks. Kerr here with us on Birds 365. All right, Bill Colorillo, thank you very much for doing our number one for Johnny Mac. Mark Fargez is going to do our number two. Since I asked Kerr, I'll ask you to do the same and look six days ahead. Uh, Jets' defense came up with a good effort yesterday. I think there was some motivation with uh, playing Sean Payton, having him badmouth Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett the way he did. But it's still Zach Wilson, at quarterback. Eagles shouldn't stub their toe against the Jets next Sunday, should they? I don't see it because I think the only chance the Jets would have is if they had success running the football, and nobody's had a success running the football against this Eagles defense. You hope Fletcher Cox is back next week. I just don't think they have the talent at the quarterback position to keep up with this Eagles offense. Nor do I, and you know I, a Jet fan, and I will be there, and I will be in attendance for the game. I, I feel another Eagle. Well, like this game, you know what? This game, next week's game could be a lot like this week's game where the Eagles are dominant. The scoreboard might not show it, but the Eagles are actually dominant. I think we got a chance to get a similar game next Sunday, but uh, we got all week to figure that out. Bill Calavarola, thanks for jumping in with us and picking up the Johnny Mac slack today. Absolutely. And guys, hang around at 10 o'clock. We have the Philly Sports Power Hour coming on right after Birds 365. So Colorado will get another cup of coffee, maybe a little Wheaties, and then it'll be right back here an hour from now. Billy, thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. This is Birds 365. Uh, appreciate Bill Colorado doing the last hour. Next hour, it goes to Mac and Mark. Mark Barzetta going to jump in to hour number two here on Birds 365.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Monday morning show on Birds 365. John McMullen starting <laughs> back from the West Coast. So we get Mac and Mark. Mark Farzetta. Farzy, how are you, bud? Don, Charlie McDonald, I'm doing fantastic. How are you, my friend? What are you on, like your eighth cup of coffee here? I don't. Come on. Do I drink? What am I, barbarian? I drink espresso. Thank you very much. <laughs> really? Do you really do that every day? Holy mackerel, he does. Uh, God bless you. I can't do that. I'm just a good old... Uh, hey, I, I'm such a... I'm a hazelnut guy. Hazelnut? I Jeez, like flavored coffee. Wait, yeah. you're, you're next, you're going to tell me about your pumpkin spice latte? There, no, Jody, no, 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 no. You, you, I guess you haven't heard my rant. Oh, no. Pumpkins you... serve one purpose. On the porch, 
this month leading up to Halloween with eyes carved out. Other than that, I have no use for pumpkins. You shouldn't have pumpkin donuts or pumpkin coffee okay. or even pumpkin pie, which some people think is sacrilegious, but I can't stand it. Hmm. No, a pumpkin should be observed, not eaten or consumed in any way. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let me throw you a curveball. Pumpkin seeds. Bump, uh, baked pumpkin salted seeds, because I found those to be delectable. Really? Yeah. Never yeah. tried one. Never had one. Oh, I, can't, yeah. I can't bad mouth it, but just off the top of my head, I would Ooh. assume that they're disgusting, just like pumpkin coffee and pumpkin everything that you try and put in your mouth. A pumpkin should never get anywhere near your lips. Just keep <laughs> it observant on the front porch yeah. for the trick-or-treaters. That's the only reason to have pumpkins. <laughs> That's me. A little uh, that, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. That sounds good. Sounds good, my but friend. I can't do express. Oof. You, you got a better constitution than me. That's for damn sure. <laughs> All right. But you seem pumped up about the Eagles because they were stone-cold dominant in the second half of that game yesterday for mm. Yeah, but I I believe, Jody, you and I have a score to settle, my friend. I believe you and I have a score to settle because I believe uh, the words you used were hogwash and poppycock when it came to my predictions about this game, about Bradley Roby, whether or not he would play. (laughs) And he played. And the under. I believe the under, my friend. I believe the under. Don't start with with the under because (laughs) it cost me a five-team parlay yesterday. Well, actually – Actually, only a four because uh, Texans pushed. They were two-point underdog, and they lost by two. So my five became a four. My other three were winners. My only loser, Eagles, and over 50 and a half. So Mm, if you need for me to give you props, it's there. (laughs) Done. I thought this game was going to be played in the 30s. I thought the Eagles would be better in the red zone than they turned out to be, and they would get 30-something. And when it was 17-14 half, when Eagles got the – Touchdown right before half, the 34-second drive, including two dumb ram penalties, and the tush push at the end. I was a lock. They 61. They're on their way. It's Of course it's going to be over. <laughs> and then the Rams completely stopped scoring because the defense from the Eagles went nuts in the second half, and the Eagles settled for Jake Elliott field goals to make Mark Barzetta right. So <laughs> I give you my props, my friend. No, no, I, I, and my condolences to your parlay. So I do, I feel bad about that. Uh, I, legit, because uh, I've been there. Uh, the bad beats and all that fun stuff. But Jody, I got to say this, man. What I was so impressed with yesterday. I mean, there's two There's two names, and both are on the defensive, uh, defensive side of things that I you talk about giving props to that, that deserve their flowers today. First, let me don't go with that. the play. Please don't say that. What? Uh, don't ever use that phrase. To give the flowers? Can't stand it. McMullen knows. He he says it, and it annoys the snot on me. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, give flowers to men. Why? Why the hell would you do that? Take, just stop and think of it literally for a second. Uh-huh. It's stupid. I, isn't it a horse racing term, technically? No. No? Don't you give the no. horse the flowers? No. Well, you you drape roses on the Kentucky Derby winner, but again, okay. four-legged animal. Why would you give it to a two-legged male? That's fair, it fair makes point. no sense. It's stupid. Fair, okay, you're better than that, Farzetta. Don't use that phrase anymore. I, I I'm with you. Okay, I will. I, I, it is now banished from my lexicon. Okay, here you go. Yesterday, two names. One, I'm going to go with the guy who played, and that guy's name is Jalen Carter. There was a red carpet of opportunity rolled out in front of him yesterday with Fletcher Cox not playing. 
And that man went out there yesterday. That rookie man amongst boys, Jalen Carter, went out there and he ate Jody. Two sacks, two two tackles for loss, pressures all the live long day. I loved what I saw from Jalen Carter. Before the game, I wanted to see productions from uh, Dallas Goddard. You certainly got that. I wanted to see Jalen Carter show you that he could pick up the slack where you didn't have a guy like Fletcher Cox in the middle of that defensive line. And he did that phenomenally well yesterday. The other guy, and we talked about it last week, you and I, this little chess match that was going to happen in this game between Sean Desai and Matthew Stafford. And Sean McVay, Sean decided to not look like a guy who only had one year of coaching under his belt as a defensive coordinator. That was a great job by Sean Desai. If you would have told me before the game that they were going to shut him out in the second half and a team like the Rams, who the game doesn't even start for the Rams till the fourth quarter, and they shut them out both with pressure, with blitzes, with rotating coverage on guys like Cooper Cup. The communication that was there between Bradley Roby and uh, James Bradbury late in that game where they had that switch right there at the line of scrimmage when they put Cooper Cup in motion, all that is a result of great coaching and also great veteran leadership. But I look at Sean Desai and having these guys as ready to play as humanly possible despite having to have seven different cornerbacks dressed and ready to go against this pass rush. It was a thing of beauty. All the props in the world, but no flowers, to Jalen Carter and Sean Desai. Agree on all fronts. couple of things. Number one on Jalen Carter first, since you went there first. Yeah, he dropped to the Eagles in the draft, and the Eagles were Johnny and the spot smart enough to take it. He looks like he may very well should have been the number one pick in the draft. Forget about the number nine pick in the yeah. draft. Yeah, And we all knew the off-field issues, uh, the incident with the – uh, fatal car accident and would this be a problem going forward the other issue now this was i reported others reported it as well that he wasn't the greatest practice player at georgia that he certainly flashed during games and that's why he was considered maybe the best talent in the draft but might not be the greatest practice player at georgia well guess what the eagles don't sweat practice much they don't really have <laughs> that much of an emphasis on practices so you know that's gonna not gonna be a big deal and oh by the way after the second consecutive year where they take a georgia defensive tackle with their number one pick and a question about jordan davis was he's one big boy and he's gonna need to get in full-blown nfl defensive tackle shape he seemed to be coming around last year then he got hurt so he had to build back up his conditioning again if anyone questions the conditioning of Jalen Carter, just put on the film. When he goes by his guy like that, in the, the blink of an eye, he's by offensive lineman trying to don't, – don't question his, uh, his readiness for the game. Don't question his conditioning. He is a beast. He is a physical beast that can't be stopped right now. I know it's only five games into a career, but – He's as unstoppable force on a defensive line as there is in the National Football League. 70% of the snaps yesterday, his average on the season has been 51% of the snaps. Now, I understand yesterday there was only a, a, couple, a couple of things. Right, right, right. But only eight possessions for both sides. There are only 16 possessions in this game. That's in, that's in, And considering the way the Eagles dominated the time of possession battle, that was insane too, but... Jalen Carter, bottom line, 51% of the snaps normally, 70% of the snaps in this game against the Rams. I mean, if that's not up for the challenge and the production that you saw as well, um, I don't know what is. And to your point, I just I do love the idea, and I haven't thought about it, Jody. 
in every sport, you can talk about practice and whether or not they're participating, whether or not they're into it, whether or not they're intense. But I love the idea of a guy having a bad practice. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, uh, background and attitude, attitude, whatever it might be. We're talking and then, practice. And then talking come in, practice. Coming to the Eagles and you're like, you'll fit right in. We don't even practice anyway. We don't even take it that serious. So yeah, you'll do fine. You'll fit right in with the rest of the crowd, man. I, I absolutely, I, I, I know we've talked about this before. But I don't remember any time uh, in my life, really. I mean, I was young for Jerome Brown, but like, I don't remember a time where I saw a lineman that looked this dominant, this young. And and hopefully he keeps it going. But this guy just looks like a man amongst boys. I can't say it enough. And it was also nice to see the return. And I know he got a sack last week, but yesterday was 2022 Hassan Reddick again. Uh, back-to-back sacks. And I was actually more impressed with the, with the first one than the second one. The first one, he was coming speed, and he kind of got angled out so that he could only get a hand on Stafford. Stafford tried to step up. He stayed with the play. Yeah. And then he was getting help from his interior defensive line. He just caved in on Stafford. Uh, if Hassan Reddick is getting back to the level that he played at next year, this Eagle defensive line is just scary right now for us. <laughs> it's a, hey, consider this, too. Uh, Sean Desai is definitely taking more liberties than Jonathan Gannon with the blueprint that was provided by Nick Sirianni. Because I think like you're seeing Jonathan Gannon, and Seth Joyner made this point yesterday, Jonathan Gannon is blitzing more now with the Cardinals because he's the head coach and he's also the play caller defensively. So he's going to take more liberties, obviously. He's the man calling the shots. But – here, it looks like Sean Desai is – I don't know if he's being allowed to do this or, or if he's just getting home more so Nick Sirianni is not going to stop it. But the blueprint is don't allow the big play. So that's why you see the cornerbacks playing off as much as they are. But it certainly seems like you're seeing those delayed blitzes a lot more often. You're not afraid to see those safety blitzes dialed up like we've seen uh, from time to time with Reed Blankenship. And then yesterday, may maybe it's just part of the game plan because he was so new, but Bradley Roby – had at least one or two uh, corner blitzes dialed up for him in yesterday's game. I can't remember a game where I've said all those same things about one game in Jonathan Gannon's tenure, but he could certainly say you saw it yesterday when it came to the Rams trying to beat the Eagles' defense, especially in that second half. Sean decided a such a fantastic job with the, the – you could call them liberties, whatever it is, call it being creative. And then the second half adjustments. What do we ask for? If you're going to move on from Jonathan Gannon, give us a guy that's going to be a little bit more aggressive uh, defensively, maybe a lot more aggressive defensively, but then be a guy that can make second half adjustments. And then you saw whether it was Darius Slay's conversation you know, point or not. I don't know if you saw it. I saw it from Dave Zingaro after the game that he put out the tweet saying that Darius Slay is the one that made the suggestion to stick on cup uh, in the second half. And maybe that was the turning of the tides, whatever it was, they were, they just, Two catches, Jody, 23 yards in the second half compared to 95 yards and, and six catches in the first half. Uh, that's that's the Eagles right there, man. That's the Eagles making adjustments either way. Well, they go hand in hand, pressure and cover, cover and pressure. I'll, I'll tell you, I think the pressure made the covering easier in the second half. Because mm. let's be honest, that, you're right. The first quarter and a half, that Ram touchdown right before the Eagles got it back with 38 seconds to go and scored yeah. a touchdown of their own. <laughs> Uh, the, the Rams had moved the ball at will through the air. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, yeah, and I give you your props. You were right, Bradley Roby. Not only played, <laughs> he played more than anyone else in the slot, but not until they had gone to Mario Goodrich and he looked like Mario Goodrich. <laughs> not before they had taken Eli Ricks and said, hey, you're not really a cover, but we'll throw you in the slot anyway. They finally said, all right, 
Bradley. He's there. Any chance you can play Bradley? I wonder how that went on the sideline. The coach goes over to him and goes, we know you've been here 20 minutes, but you want to jump in and play? <laughs> and he did, and he played better than the two preceding players. Um, both Slay and Bradbury got beat yesterday. The, yeah. The shutdown corners, the veteran guy, not the wet behind the ears either because they just got in the league or they just joined the team guys. Right. They got their fair share of beatdowns yesterday too. So if Slay is talking a little trash, it's because I suggest I go with yeah, I saw you get beat a couple times yesterday, Darius, in the first half. Now, everybody played that well in the second half. And, yeah, that's Sean Desai. Give, give a nod to the defense quarter, whatever adjustments he made. However they came up via, via suggestion or just him coming up with them himself, he gets all the credit from me. Oh, I, I, I agree. I agree entirely. If Slay's willing to do it, fine. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't expect anything else from Darius Slay. He did get beat, especially in that first half against Cooper Cup when he was in coverage on Cup. Um, he flat out, he just got beat. I mean, there's no two ways about it. The touchdown with Puka Nakua is that was a great throw. I thought Bradbury was there. I felt like if you're someone home watching that game, it's a typical situation where you're watching the play develop and you're screaming, "Turn around! Turn around!" Because if he turns around, that's either an interception or a pass is broken up. Perfect throw. Great catch by him. It is what it is. Uh, unfortunately, James Bradbury, yes, does get charged with that. However, offensively speaking, you mentioned the drive. 32 seconds left on the clock. The Eagles get the ball back. Three timeouts. Jody, I, I mean, maybe not three timeouts, maybe two, but how many times do we watch coaches go, let's just run the ball a couple of times and get to the half? But with this offense, how? Why not? Just, just go for it. See what you get. See if you can at least get a field goal out of this. And That's what I was thinking. Honestly, I go, ooh, the Rams might have scored a little bit too early. Mm -hmm. We could still get in field goal range. I thought that I, I was like, a touchdown, let's not get crazy. But a field goal, they, they can get a field goal out of this. Yes. Jody. 50 plus uh, money in the bank. I absolutely <laughs> believe they were walking off with three. They get, this is insane. That drive, Jody, was 75 yards. But play-wise was the shortest drive and possession of the game with only four plays and two penalties uh, thanks to uh, – what's his name? Um, oh, God, I had it written down. Darian uh, Kendrick. Darian Kendrick. Two two uh, penalties on that drive. One was the horse collar tackle on, uh, on uh, uh, Brown, and then he had the pass, uh, pass interference in the end oh, zone, which set up yeah. – Oh, my God! It was – Four plays, 75 yards, 32 seconds, ending at a touchdown. That's why you at least take that opportunity. And then from then on, it was the Eagles game, man. The Eagles just dominated from that point on. Uh, credit to the defense, obviously. The offense, you know, they, they, they did what they needed to do as well. But Nick Sirianni, you knew he was going to go for it. Uh, what was it? First and goal from the one. No time left, essentially. You tush push, you're in. You, you brotherly shove and you're in. Or you just kick the field goal. And they, of course, went for the touchdown, and they got it. And then they basically negated the the start of the second half. They negated the idea of deferring by the Rams to start the game because they would have gotten the kickoff anyway, so there's no extra possession there. Uh, and they scored on the opening possession anyway. So the Eagles, everything was, was, for the most part, picture perfect. And, oh, by the way, if there were an equivalent to this show on the left coast, they would probably call it Rams 366 because I know they're big fans of the uh, leap year out there in L.A. Um, they would be going nuts. 
how the hell do you take those two penalties on that drive? Yeah. You've got the lead at the half. Even if you give up the field goal, you're still up 14-13. You have the lead at the half. No, you let the Eagles go 75 yards in a blink of an eye and stick it in on a uh, cheek sneak to end the half. You're right. Momentum, game-changing, it was all those things. We like to look at it through eagle-colored glass. Oh, my God, what a drive. They don't have that drive if the Rams don't take two bad penalties, a pass interference and a horse collar. That aided plenty to that drive. Yeah, so I, I don't think they'd be saying the same exact thing on Rams 366. No, no a little different. They'd be pointing out the shortcomings of the foolish defense. What One of the things uh, we do in the postgame show, um, the segment I do, Mike Mistelli asked me about, you know, who is the extending the play? It's a sponsor say it was extending the play. And I gave – I mean, there were so many guys you could go with the eat with the Eagles offensively speaking that it was just hard to choose an eagle. So I went with somebody outside the box. I went with Darian Kendrick because of those two penalties that certainly extended the drive. The hilarious part is he extended the drive 75 yards. That was only four plays, which is pretty insane. They did uh, a lot of good things yesterday, specifically. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say specifically. I either side of the ball. Defense was great in the second half. Offense was great moving it up and down the field. The touchdown right before half was success in the red zone. Had a couple of shortcomings in the red zone. Had to settle for field goals. The Hurts pick, the one that he threw to the pylon, I did not think that was a bad pass. Uh, again, every time I say this, I feel the need to qualify it. Um, and this is Birds 365, so it's supposed to be about a specific team, the hometown team, the Philadelphia Eagles. But I'm sorry, I've been doing this for 30-plus years. Every once in a while, you just got to give credit to the opponent. People hate when you do that. It's all about the hometown team. If it's all good, it's because of us. If it's all bad, it's because I, it, it, there's another team out there on the field, but who the hell cares? It's all about us. That was a really nice play by the defensive back. That was not that bad a throw by Jalen. Sometimes you just got to give props to the other squad. Um, I think it came out after the game. Jalen Hurts, and, and 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 I hesitate to bring this up with you because I don't know if you, if you like this play or believe in this play or not. The back shoulder throw, it was supposed yeah, to be a back I, shoulder. I think it's throw. overstated. Okay, I think okay. I think announcers always it's it's the actual intention of the quarterback. Every single time there's a back shoulder throw, it's because he was trying to throw to the back shoulder. I'm guaranteeing you at least some of the time it's just a bad throw. It's just under throw. Leading him enough, he's just... and he needs to catch it off the back shoulder. <laughs> but you never hear an in-game announcer that, oh, it's a back shoulder throw. He was trying to throw it to the back shoulder. Yeah. You don't know that. Did he tell you that? Did he signal to you yeah. up in the booth that, oh, by the way, that was a back shoulder throw? It can be, I, I know for a fact that guys do specifically throw it some of the time. But according to announcers, it's every single time it goes to a guy's back shoulder. You know, you never hear. That was one hell of a front shoulder throw there by Jalen Hurts. That was a great front shoulder. You don't hear that. Uh, but it, I, So that apparently was the way that play was supposed to develop. It did look like a bad throw. And then I thought that it was very interesting. Afterwards, you saw – man, there was a lot going on on the sidelines in this game. But you saw Nick Sirianni there having the tough coaching moment with um, Jalen Hurts. Maybe he was locked on A.J. Brown a little too much. I, I look forward to watching the All-22, see what else was available on that play potentially. But, um, yeah, either way, you're right. Uh, look, the, good play by the defensive back. Whether the ball was underthrown, whether the ball was supposed to be a little deep in the end zone, I don't know. But um, from my vantage point, it looked like Jalen Hurts was locked on A.J. Brown. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The guy is pretty hell of a pretty damn good wide receiver. 
Um, but yeah, on that play, I'll, I'll give I'll tip my captain of defensive back for making the good play on that one. He did make a good play, and just one more on your back shoulder throw point. <laughs> when they're saying they're throwing a back shoulder throw to Quez, that's just a lie. I'll, I'll come <laughs> right out and say it. Quez isn't going to number one. Quez's strength is his speed and getting ahead of somebody, getting out in front of somebody. So to think you're going to throw back shoulder to Quez where he's going to outman some, you throw him back shoulder, AJ Brown, make it a physical contest. Oh yeah. That's a smart play. Cause right. he's going to, he's going to be a uh, defensive back 19 out of 20 times in physicality. My, Quez, my... Not so much, but the, I guarantee you announcer's going to say any throw that goes to the back shoulder. Oh, that's exactly where AJ Brown went. Uh, exactly where Jalen Hurts wanted to throw it. No, he didn't. Stop. My, my only problem with that is why? Why are you throwing to Quez at all? That's just my. That's just my take on it. Why the hell is he involved anymore? What's going on there? What? Why? 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 Why is he even involved? He was wide open in the end zone on that one play. But even <laughs> I said earlier in the show, first half, that was telling. He was so wide open. He's such an afterthought in Jalen's reads that he didn't even get to him. Yeah. So, yeah, Jake, uh, Quez played a lot yesterday, didn't do all a hell of a lot. Uh, but I don't want to get on his case because then you get on the offense case, and the offense was good except for the red zone, and Jalen Hurts was very good. Um, you and I might have talked about this last week, uh, the whole Jalen was running tentatively thing. And that was the word I choose chose. Some people were saying Jalen was running slow, which I thought was A, inaccurate, and B, unfair. I don't think he was slow. I think he was tentative. I think that either because he believed it or his coach has been drumming it into him, he needed to protect himself and they can't afford to get him hurt. And he's diving and sliding when last year he ran through people. Oh, guess what? Yes, I ran two people again, Mark. It looked like the 2022 version of Jalen Hurts running the football. Jody, I don't know if your ears were ringing earlier today, but I was talking about you during uh, my show at 6 a.m. I said Jody was using the word. Was it hesitant? Was it was it bashful? What, what was the word? Tentative was the perfect word for it. I couldn't think of it. And I said, you had the perfect word. That is the perfect word. Somebody hit me up in the chat and said that the word you used was uh, tentative. That is the perfect word for it. And then this game... Jeez, forget about being tentative. He was, I also hesitate to say looking to run because there were a couple of plays where he did stay there in the pocket like a statue and deliver the football downfield rather rather well. But if the play was there to be made, the play was there to be made, and he made it. And you didn't see him slide. You didn't see him run out of bounds. You didn't see any of that. You barely even saw him turtle up and hit the dirt. Um, he used every ounce of his legs. The only time... The only time I had an issue with it, and it combines your two previous points there, red zone and running, what the hell were they doing at the end of the game? I understand that you're trying to milk the clock a little bit. You want to run the football. Why am I watching Jalen Hurst run the football twice in the last two plays of this game? Why am I watching it? Like, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, both, I think they use the same word leading up to the season, uh, unique. Embrace the uniqueness of Jalen Hurts' game. Use what makes him special to their advantage, which is what you call good coaching and what you call good play and good execution. There's also another word I want to use, abuse. I don't want to abuse the uniqueness of Jalen Hurts' game and his ability. And I feel like the way they ran the football in the last possession of the game for them, when really all they were trying to do is get a field goal, bleed the clock, get a field goal, not have another too early touchdown and give the ball back to the, to the, to the, uh, the Rams. Why am I watching Jalen Hurts try to run up the middle? Why am I watching Jalen Hurts try to run to the outside at that point in the game? That's the only time where I feel like they were abusing 
um, the uniqueness of his game. Everything else, I felt Jalen Hurts did a great job of letting the game come to him, whether it was him running the football, him finding A.J. Brown, him finding Dallas Goddard, or even hitting uh, DeAndre Swift out of the backfield for a couple of catches. All that I thought was good. I'll play Nick Sirianni for you. And I don't know if this is what he was thinking, but I'm just speculating here. Um, maybe Coach Sirianni watched the end of the Miami Hurricane game on Saturday. Did you see this game? I did not. I did not. Miami's got the ball. It evoked memories of Herman Edwards is what it evoked. Miami's got the ball left with 38 seconds to go. So there's a 35-second play clock in college football. All they got to do is run the football. All the, the quarterback could take a knee. He needs to step back, wait about three or four yards, take a knee. They start the play clock. Game's over. Miami hands the ball off. And the guy runs into the middle of the line, and he gets stripped, and the ball comes out. Georgia Tech gets the ball back on their own 25-yard line. They got to go 75 yards in 30 seconds with no timeouts. And they did it. And they scored a touchdown. And Miami, all they had to do was get into victory formation and move back for just run three more seconds off the clock on the play, and the game is over. And they blew it. They ran the ball into the middle of the line, which was idiotic. So maybe Sirianni was thinking, yeah, I don't want to run the ball. I don't want this to happen to me. Let, let me let I know Jalen does not give the ball up. Part of Jalen's strength on the tush push, whatever else, he's a massively strong individual. He's not going to fumble. If I leave in his hands, he's not going to fumble. Even though the Eagles were up by nine points, they couldn't have lost even against another team's touchdown. But I'm guessing that's his line of thinking. Somehow he caught the highlights of the Miami game and said, holy mackerel, that's a fireable offense. Guys like Jody McDonald on CBS Sports Radio going, that's a fireable offense with Mario <laughs> Cristobal. So I don't want to get fired. Let me just give it to Jalen because I know Jalen isn't going to cough it up. You buy him my explanation? Uh yeah, I mean, I, I understand that, but in the NFL, you want to protect that franchise quarterback as much as humanly possible, especially if you just sign him to that long term, especially if you just sign him to that deal. Look, I put it this way against the commanders, I had a very similar thought, which is why I didn't have the problem when they threw for the touchdown. All right, you get you have an opportunity to put up points, you have a single. Single uh, single coverage on A.J. Brown, who's already beat his man. Yeah, you let that fly. You recognize something, you let it fly. I hated everything after that, A.J. Brown getting the taunting penalty, for instance. But I had the same thought of, yeah, if you can cash this in and put the game essentially out of reach and have your defense shut down Sam Howell, you're going to win the game. Because I was afraid of maybe DeAndre Swift fumbling. What if you do fumble? What if Jalen Hurts fumbles? What if Kenny Gainwell fumbles? Whoever might fumble, what if they fumble? Uh, so that's definitely in the back of my mind. But with that being said, the last two plays of the game I didn't need to see Jalen Hurts run the football there I I would have much rather seen DeAndre Swift or Kenny Gainwell with the ball in their hands to try to end that game and close it out or even uh someone like a oh no that's right they don't even activate Rashad Penny no they don't man good lord I that guy don't quite understand at some point a prediction Jody Mac prediction not good against Mark Frazetta when he's on the air with me I get, <laughs> I get those all wrong but I'll make a prediction he's got to get into a game here sooner or later, or the coach has got to go down the road, but he looks great in practice. Cause remember he did that last year with the uh, Trey uh, Sermon. It's, yeah. Sermon. Oh, he's so great in practice. My, he's working hard on practice. He's impressing the snot out of us in practice. And then he gets deactivated. So at some point we need the Sirianni update 
that he's still on the team, that he's looking good in practice because you can't find him with a map on Sundays when the Eagles are playing because he is not active. He's somewhere up in a luxury box. Jody, Jody, real quick, just 10 seconds. Everyone in the chat, uh, people I know have been, uh, people I've seen in the chat a bunch of times before, I am aware that I look like a drunk Nick Sirianni. Okay, I'm aware of that. Thank you. No, no, you got a a way better beard than Sirianni. (laughs) Way better beard. but, But don't you dare. Don't you dare, people in the chat. How dare you say I'm his older brother? He is a year older than me, at least. So you is bite he? your tongue. Yeah. How about that? Uh, I have to check those dates because I would have said older brother, too. Maybe that's <laughs> to do with the, the fact that many of us here on Birds 365 are uh, follically challenged. <laughs> He's Farzad. I'm McDonald. You got Mac and Mark here on Birds 365 coming back when we return. Let's take note of the other teams in the NFC East. Oops. Uh, Eagles opening up some room in the division five games into the season. I'll get Farzee's take on the Cowboys and the Giants lose. The Commanders lost all the way back on Thursday night, embarrassingly so to a team that hadn't won a game yet. Is this division already over? Could be. Uh, Mac and Mark here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mac and Mark here with you on Birds 365. Uh, Johnny Mac be back tomorrow. He's flying back from the left coast. Was out there in LA for with Farzi and the crew on the post game show yesterday. So we got J Mac back here tomorrow. Uh, you responded to one of the uh, uh, streamers here. I'll I'll quickly respond to uh, Niners all damn day. Regular streamer here on I think Niners fan. Okay, fine. There's no restrictions here. You want to be a Niners fan? Join the stream. You can. And oh, by the way, go ahead, puff out your chest because of your Niners. They were pretty damn impressive taking care of the Cowboys last night. But he said, I got the Braves today getting to Wheeler like they did in that six-run September starting against them. They did. They scored six runs against them last night. But he also pitched against them in June, eight shutout innings, three yeah. hits. So you want to go back to – I'll go back to June. He's more well-rested. He's on perfect rest going into this game. Yeah, I, I kind of like the Phillies' chances today with Wheeler on the hill and coming back to Philly up 2 nothing. But uh, back to the birds. Um, yesterday, big game for Dallas Goddard. Probably should have uh, gotten my wagering app out and played Goddard targets because they were determined to get him the ball. And they did that previously this season, Mark, week number two, after he did nothing week one, they threw him the ball a lot, seven times for six catches for 22 yards. And I was like, what? That night I played Goddard receiving yards, fool that I am, rather than just number of passes. I could have played either one yesterday and won. Um, what do you think was the difference? Because Goddard had been underachieving the first four games, uh, nowhere near 100 yards. Yesterday, he had 100 yards in just one day. What do you think the difference was with Goddard in the offense? I mean, well, I mean, obviously, opportunity presented itself, but you can't tell me that he has that kind of production in the first half of the game yesterday, especially on the first drive, four catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. You can't tell me that that wasn't at least somewhat of a deliberate effort to get him the football. And I, oh, yeah. I hate when Co- and Nick Sirianni is not the only one that does it, but other coaches too. I know you guys look at the box score. I know you guys look at the box score and you see that. No, no, no. It's not about the box score. Obviously the box score is the bottom line, but if you have a player that is a playmaker and you're not allowing him the opportunity to make plays for you, then you're not using every asset you have at your disposal. And when you do go on to face the upper echelon teams, a team like the 49ers, for instance, or a team like Buffalo or a team like uh, Miami, you're going to need to make sure you're clicking on all cylinders in those games just in case you do end up meeting them in, you know, the biggest of games, the the Super Bowl. So I would like to see Dallas Goddard used more and more and more when when you can use him. And this was a perfect example to use him. If he's not part of the pass plan, if he's not part of the game plan, then you got to find a way to get him involved. And that'll open up everything else for everybody else. Now, I couldn't believe it, Jody. Ahead of yesterday's game, I, I knew he was struggling. I knew that he wasn't having a great year. I was shocked he hadn't even made it to triple figures yet. in receiving. He had 88 receiving yards going into yesterday's game. Yep. 88 receiving. He beat that in the first half of yesterday's game. So you can't tell me that they didn't finally make the decision to start throwing on the football. In a way, it's not identical to, but it's similar to. If you remember last year, they talked about the RPO and, and why they weren't running the ball enough with running backs. And 
What's going on there? Why why aren't you calling more plays with running backs? And they would always say, Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni would say the same thing. Well, we, we do call it, but it's part of the RPO, and either Jalen chooses to keep it or Jalen chooses to throw it. Well, then that's not a run play. It's an RPO. Take away the option. Get your running backs involved in running the football. Call plays where you hand the ball to a running back and they run. Get guys like last year, Miles Sanders involved, Kenny Gainwell involved, and see what they could do without having the option. Just get just call plays for Dallas Goddard. Get plays for Dallas Goddard. Make sure he gets the football. Not just on bubble screens, time and time again with the tight end bubble screen that I hate, but make sure he gets the ball downfield a little bit. Make sure he can run that slant for you. Make sure he can run that out route. Make sure he can run that seam. Because he can do all those things. He's one of the best tight ends in football. Not just in the run game where he blocks the hell out of anybody, but where he can actually get involved in that pass game. Make sure he gets the football because he can make plays for you. All right, so let me get this on the record, that this is Mark Farzetta who's going to answer this question, not Jordy McDonald. I'm just going to ask it because they get annoyed with me on the stream here when I bring up anything that is at least questionable about the Philadelphia Eagles. God forbid I pointed out that Jason Kelsey got in the coach's face and actually laid hands on Stoutland on the sideline yesterday. <laughs> you don't see that. You don't see players touching coaches, and right. you did yesterday. But I'm, I'm a hater because I brought that up. Um, so I'm going to give you the chance to be a hater. Or no, they'll still think of me as a hater, which is fine. Devonta, I'll try to I'll try to out hate you, uh, Jody. Devonta Smith, one catch, six yards. Now, if AJ's getting all these catches and yards, and Goddard's getting all these catches and yards, there's only so many throws to go around. But he was targeted five times, and he only had one catch for six yards. Is that either a storyline because the big bad Philadelphia always looking for controversy media is going to get a chance to ask Jalen Hurts, uh, Devontae Smith that question, and maybe Hurts and maybe Sirianni and maybe even the offense quarter that question prior to the Jet game last week? And will the Eagles do what they've done before? Guy has a slow week. Devontae Smith, no catches week one last year. And guess what? I threw it to him a ton week number two. Is this the quote unquote? Devonta Smith week for the Philadelphia Eagles against the Jets. Uh, it it could be. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to have an opportunity here to spread the ball around uh, against the Jets. I think it's actually going to be a, a good game. Um, but I think they're going to have an opportunity to spread the ball around. And what I was just talking about in terms of making sure you have a guy like Dallas Goddard going, you want to make sure everybody's going. You want to make sure that this offense is clicking uh, on every single cylinder that it could possibly click on. So, yeah, I would say that Devonta Smith is going to have a – I hate to say bounce back game and make it seem like he was the one really struggling. Maybe he, maybe Jalen Hurts wasn't going through his progressions as quickly as he as he could have been. Uh, maybe the Rams did a good job of disguising what they were doing against him in the early goings of the game. I don't know, uh, but I, I would say yesterday is the exception with Devontae Smith. It's certainly not the rule with Devontae Smith. I think this receiving core, receiving core, whether it's Goddard, whether it's AJ Brown, whoever it might be, I think they are just stacked in terms of two solid wide receivers, two Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers, and certainly a Pro Bowl caliber tight end in what they have in Dallas Goddard. And then they have a quarterback that can run on his own and make a play on his own, and they have running backs that can make plays there as well. And DeAndre Swift has certainly shown that throughout this year. And at an offensive line, they can always shift to to make sure that they're running the football well. This will be a game they do go back to Devontae Smith, and I think one of the biggest reasons is not because of just the lack of the stat line, but – 
I thought you saw a wide range of emotions from Nick Sirianni throughout this game. And one of the best was when he was just there on the sideline, standing next to Devontae Smith in what I will call a, for lack of a better term, a comforting moment. Like, hey, you're still part of this team. You're still part of this this plan. You have a big part of why we're, why we're going to have success. And I thought that when he was kind of getting lost in the shuffle there, I thought that was good coaching by Nick Sirianni to show both sides of it. One, chewing out. Uh, Quest Watkins, where he needed to be chewed out, and the other, the old slap on the back for uh, Devontae Smith. Hey, you're still very much a part of this game plan. Right. And just wait till next week because we're going to throw the ball a lot to you. I, right. I, just a guess on my part. Uh, we're an hour and 42 minutes into the show, and there's a guy we haven't mentioned yet that absolutely deserves his props. We'll give a little bro love, <laughs> F those flowers. Uh, and they, for offensive linemen, those big suckers up front, they sure as hell don't need flowers. Mark Farzetta, how many sacks did Aaron Donald have yesterday? Oh, geez. Jeez. Uh, how many? Zero. That would be zero. Zero. And, and oh, by the way, only four tackles. Now, sometimes defensive linemen don't get tackled, but the Eagles ran the football enough. He could have made a tackle on Jalen Hurts when he took off and ran a couple of times. Uh, I don't even know how they figure out who gets the tackle on the tush push. Somebody's got to get a tackle, right? How, how, how did the scorers determine who that is? Question. That pile and the humanity there. But <laughs> Aaron Donald had four tackles and no sacks yesterday. And he was going up against Sua Opeta, who let's let's track this. Before the season started, it was a competition between Tyler Steen and Cam Jurgens for the right guard position. No point did Sue Opetta's name ever get into that. It was a competition between those two guys. So Jurgens wins the job, been doing great at it. He gets hurt, so you got to plug somebody in. Well, it's going to be Tyler Steen because he competed for the starting year. Oh, no, it's Sue Opetta. They feel more comfortable going with the veteran guy who's been here before. And he has stepped in two straight weeks now. I've not heard his name once on a broadcast. Now, that's usually a bad thing for some players on the offensive line. Uh, line that's a great thing. If you're not making mistakes, you're not going to be mentioned. Now, they don't use him the same way they use Kelsey and pulling out and leading the way, uh, which they shouldn't and they haven't. But the fact that Sua Opeta has just flat out gotten the job done for two weeks, I think we got to give him his props. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the guy, as you mentioned, wasn't on the team. He's been on the team, off the team for the last six years. And he gets an opportunity to play in this game, gets an opportunity to play last week, gets a ringing endorsement last week, if you remember from Lane Johnson saying how great he yep. played. So it was kind of – they didn't even entertain the idea of Tyler Steen being at right guard in this game. They just said, get out there, soon, have your fun, go, go nuts. And he went out there and he played great. I mean, there were, it wasn't a lack of effort. You saw a guy like Aaron Donald out there for 77% of the defensive snaps, and he was more or less a non-factor in this game. And it was all because of the way the offensive line played against him, and Sua Peta had a huge part of that. And I think a huge part of that goes to Jeff Stoutland. And it seems like anybody that they try to get ready to play and be productive, they get them ready to play, and they are extremely productive. You don't have this offensive line missing beats. And this is... This is obviously nothing new, but the, let's think about the uniqueness of this. So Opeta comes in here, plays well, played well last week, has played well in a lot of the opportunities, the vast majority of the opportunities he has gotten with the Eagles over the last six years. And then you've also seen guys like Andre Dillard, and I know he played a little guard in, he played guard in college and then he was moved out the tackle, but he comes in here, he plays 
left tackle. You move Jordan Mailata from left tackle to right tackle, and that works out. You move Dillard to guard, and that works out. Sayamalu goes out. Jurgens comes in. Don't miss a beat. Dickerson eventually comes in to replace uh, uh, Sayamalu at left guard two years ago. Like, just musical chairs. Everyone goes in there, and it's like everybody's a pro bowler, just like that, including two Hall of Famers on that line and Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. So it's just amazing at the job that Jeff Stoutland does producing doctors coming out of Stoutland University. It is absolutely insane. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again. He is far and away the best offensive line coach in football. He's one of the best. I think we just leave it at coaches in football with the Eagles offense. By the way, by the way, did, did, did you hear the explanation Kelsey gave after the game about why he had his hands on coaches? Specifically at his hands? I know he said he was emotional and he feels he can do that with people that he cares about loves. Yeah. Well, Glad to know he loves his offensive line coach. But, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. That doesn't happen in the National Football League. Players do not put hands on coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think – I don't know if it was him showing frustration in what somebody else was doing to him. I don't I don't know. But after the game, he said, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. And then he got into it a little bit. He said exactly what you just highlighted, but he also said – he started talking about the red zone. So I was wondering, obviously the Eagles were only, I think, 33% in the red zone efficiency yesterday, um, which is obviously not great. That's leaving points on the board. But he he then shifted into talking about the red zone. So that that made me think, was the defensive line doing something to him? Because he looked to me like he was kind of demonstrating what somebody might have been doing to him. I don't think he was aggressively putting his hands on Jeff Stoutland or Nick Sirianni in a way to prove a point to them. I, it looked to me like he might have been demonstrating something. Oh, I, I certainly agree with that and understand that, and I would think nothing more than that. Can't do it. Doesn't matter. Even if you're just illustrating a point, you don't do that with your coach. You get a teammate. You grab a teammate. You pull him in front of him, and you do what you got to do to him. You don't do that to a coach. I know yeah. Jason Kelsey gets cut a lot of slack because – He's the most popular player in town. He's a Hall of Famer and all those things, and everybody loves Kelsey. I get it, but he he went somewhere where I didn't think he should or he could or should. Um, but, uh, again, this will be kind of like the A.J. and uh, Jalen yelling at each yeah. other on the sidelines. How's that worked out the last three weeks? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got like three 550 yards over three weeks. Good so God. I, I think that worked out just fine, and I think this will turn into a non-issue, but I think it's worth noting. At this time. All right. So, Farzy, before we know it, it'll be next Sunday. You'll be doing a pregame show, hanging around for the postgame show. I will be at neither because I will be at MetLife Stadium watching the Eagles and Jets from my seats. Uh, my one Sunday off all year, Eagles-Jets, I'm going up north to watch the game. I thought that this was going to be potentially the Eagles' first loss. I correctly said Eagles are going to win their first five games. Don't know what kind of start they're going to get off to. Don't know the coordinator changeover is going to take. They're just better than the five teams they're opening up the season against, so they're going to win all five. They have. I thought the Jet game was going to be tricky, but this is where the Aaron Rodgers injury comes in. I'm just sorry, not a Zach Wilson fan. I know they won yesterday in Denver, not because of Zach Wilson, but because of Brees Hall and his ability to run the football, and the Jets can run the football a little bit. Uh, is this a, a potential stumbling block for the Eagles this week in New York? 
yeah, I mean, I think there's always a potential for any NFL team, no matter how focused they say they are, no matter how great their leadership, no matter their talent, uh, to have that. And I hate this phrase: trap game, letdown game, whatever you might, whatever you uh, might call. It. Bill Colorillo went trap game last. Uh... Uh, last hour too said this okay. is a potential trap game. See, I think a trap game is his home games because you're feeling your oats a little bit. You got the crowd behind you, whatever. Uh, if you get if you fall to a trap game on a road game, uh, shame on you. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, let's use the term letdown game then potentially because you can have letdown games out there, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I I think that we're as as non professional athletes, Jody. I think we're we're still qualified to talk about a lot of things, but. The one thing I don't like when people get into the idea of distractions, trap games, and also having an idea of a letdown game like I just put forth. I will say the thing that I find makes this team so unbelievably unique, and watching this for a long time, I I, I think what makes this team so unbelievably special is their focus. And I think when you get into bulletin board material and things that allow people to pull focus on, you know, concentrating on this game, circling this game on the calendar, the Eagles find a way to find that little bit of extra motivation for every single game that they play. I can't look at this team and look at the calendar, look at the schedule and go, oh, this is a trap game. This is a letdown game. I understand why there's a general idea of it throughout a season but for me this team just doesn't have it they lose games because they they will suck they will hand a game to the commanders because they just can't hold on to the football like they did last year they won't have their starting quarterback like they did twice last year with Gardner Minshew and struggle mightily in those games offensively speaking so those are those are the things that make this team lose lose games I don't think it's a matter of losing focus I think they find every little thing to make sure that they pull focus for every game. So I don't see the – yeah, there's potential for everyone. Nobody's perfect. I get it. But I don't see this game as being that. I don't think they're going to lose a game against the New York Jets because they've lost focus. I don't think they're going to lose a game because it's uh, it's going from the, the West Coast back to the East Coast and playing on the road still, and then it's a 425 game, whatever. I just – I see this team having focus throughout the year. They're going to get beaten at some point. They're not going to be perfect. But I don't think it's going to be a matter of overlooking somebody like the Jets. I think this Jets team is a good enough team, good enough defensively to be able to catch the attention, especially when you talk about the Jets secondary, of a guy like Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni and even Brian Johnson going into it. So it'll be a good game, but I don't think the Eagles lose it. I'll go you one better. I think it could be a letdown game. Oh, okay. For the Jets. The offensive coordinator and giving him the game ball afterwards. If there's a letdown in this game, I know the undefeated Eagles. Are <laughs> How the hell could you let down against the undefeated Eagles? Cause it came after the Hackett game. So right. uh, yeah. I, if there's a letdown, I think it's more the home team than the road team. Eagles going into MetLife State. Love it. Love it. All right, quickie timeout. Come back. You know what Farzee and I got to do? Put a bow on the show.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Mark, Marzi, that is here with you on Birds 365. Johnny Mac be back tomorrow. He's just come back from the West Coast after out there covering the game in LA yesterday. Farzi, is it like bad or weak of me to already be looking forward to December? We we just kind of got into October. <laughs> I'm looking past October. I'm looking past November, all the way to December. Uh the 49ers and Eagles are not only the two undefeated teams left. But with the effort the Eagles gave yesterday and what the 49ers did on their beat down to the Cowboys, I, I've kind of been saying this since like August. Eagles, 49ers, drop off. Everybody else in the NFC. They are far and away the two best teams, evidenced by their uh, identical 5-0 and records at this point. Can we like just fast forward ahead to December 3rd? Because that's going to decide a whole hell of a lot when the 49ers come here to Philadelphia for that game. I'll tell you what, Jody. I hate walking into stores and seeing the uh, Christmas decorations up already. So I'm going to stay with that vein and not want it to be December already. I want to I want to bask in as long as the Eagles are going to be undefeated. I want to bask in that for as long as possible. I want to bask in the Phillies beating the Braves Ooh. and making it to another World Series. I want to bask in all that. The only thing I want to fast forward through is any drama the Sixers could go through. 
Uh, but everything hey, else, hey, everything hey, else hey, they, they, they only got beat by the Celtics in their preseason opener last night. That, yeah, how about that? Yeah, no, no Joel, no Harden. Um, yeah. So what time do you hit the airwaves today with Philly's coverage on the Jacob Media YouTube channel? 6.07 start time for the Phillies. We'll be on you guys. Uh, we'll be on with you guys right after for Fightin's post game right here on the Jacob Media Sports Channel, of course. So as soon as the game ends, I'll be right there with all the piping hot takes and uh, hopefully praise of Zach Wheeler after what will be another dominant start against Max Fried and the uh, the Atlanta Braves tonight. As pointed out by one of our chat guys today, he got smacked around by the Braves in a September start. Yeah. Eight shutout innings in a June start against the Atlanta Braves. In Atlanta, by the way. In Atlanta, which is, a, he grew up like miles away from the Braves Stadium, just down the road from where they play now. Uh, so, yeah, he always gets geeked up and pumped up. We shall see how that game goes. Farzi, uh, good. We'll be listening to you on the post game show tonight. Thanks for jumping in. Thanks, brother. Uh, always a pleasure. Your helping hand when Johnny Mac's out of town. You always do a great job. Thanks for doing it today. And what about Johnny Mac? Not even going out in Los Angeles. What the hell's the matter with him, man? You're in LA. Have some fun. No, he's getting on a plane, getting his ass <laughs> back there so he can be here with me tomorrow. Uh, yes, Mac and Mac back tomorrow. Uh, McMullen will return, start to get ready for the Jets. The Birds 365 return comes in just two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.